I'm really excited to be sharing with you today on this topic of anxiety and work. And as you'll know, we're in a very timely sermon series at the moment, looking at different worries and anxieties that we all face. That could be at a macro level, like climate change, or at a very personal level, we've been looking at topics like loneliness. And we're seeing how God speaks directly into those worries. And he gives us supernatural strength to face challenges with his help and his Holy Spirit if we trust him. So we live with a lot of things that cause anxiety, don't we? And if we're not careful, it's very easy to give too much attention to those anxieties, to sort of listen to what the world says and not what God says. And we know that God is so much greater, isn't he? And um, yeah, it does seem perfect timing at the moment. No one could have predicted what would happen with the coronavirus, being stuck in our homes, in lockdown, unsure of um, what each week will bring with our work and with the whole society, with the whole world. But as Christians, we know, don't we, that God is above everything, that he's the first and he's the last. He's the creator of all, and he sees and cares about us so intimately. And so we know he's not absent from what we're going through. And what is so wonderful about knowing the creator of this very fractured and fragile world is that Jesus does speak directly into these anxieties. The Bible um, is full of those words um, that Jesus says to us. And the passage that we're basing this series on some of Jesus' words in Luke 8, the parable of the sower. Jesus explains that when the farmer goes out to sow the seed, the seed represents the word of God in this parable. And we, and we see that where the seed falls on the thorns, those people, it says, hear the word of God, but go on their way and are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And so their fruit does not mature. And in another version of that passage, it says that they are choked by life's worries. So there's a direct correlation between hearing the word of God and growing and maturing in him. And Jesus knows we will we'll all face difficulties in life, but it's what we choose to do with them that matters. Whether we let those thorns choke our faith or whether we trust in him. And so um, I'm praying, and I have been praying, that as we look at this big topic of work today, that the Holy Spirit will come and calm our anxious hearts wherever we are um, this morning in our, in our houses, that he will help us to truly listen to him, not just hear, but listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and not what the worries um, of, of, the, of life and our situations are saying to us. So help us, help us, Lord, today hearing this. So work, it's a big thing, isn't it? I spent weeks feeling rather daunted by this topic, sort of looking at the theology of work, what the Bible says about why we work, how we should treat work. And I know, like Steph just introduced, that I, these two phrases, I do ping pong between them in, in today's title. One of them is, I don't want to lose my job, 
but also I don't want this job forever. And I swing from sort of caring so much about work and putting my all into it. And I, and I get very anxious. I'm, I'm in the freelance world, so I sometimes worry, you know, am I going to have this job? Will I get another job? But then sometimes I think the complete opposite. And I'm like, I don't want this. This is boring. Why do I have to go to work? You know, isn't there more for me? Wasn't I made for more than this? Grandiose statements like that. And um, I'm sure you can fill in your own emotions about how you feel about work. Could be underpaid, undervalued, or exhilarated and stimulated, or maybe stressed, unfulfilled, or completely absorbed. You name it, there's so many emotions we feel about work. And I know that in London, the culture of work and finding the right career is huge. And the question people ask isn't so much, you know, what work should I do to earn a living? But rather, what is my vocation? What was I made for? And I am aware that work is sort of part of our identity in such a big way. And I'm struck, I'm always struck when I travel to other cultures. And normally in England and in London especially, my sort of conversation opener, I haven't met someone, is, you know, oh, what do you do? And normally that sort of opens people up and I sort of have a good conversation. But in other cultures, sometimes they just sort of look at you like, okay. Like they don't want to talk about work. But work isn't such a big thing. And, and it always reminds me, gosh, we put an awful lot of value on um, our work and we do need to be careful looking at that this morning. So we, we spend a third of our lives working, which is a lot when I look that up, that statistic. So it's definitely important that we put a lot of thought and prayer into work because it, it can very easily become the focus of our lives. But we know that if we're following Jesus this morning, he's asked us to give up living for our own priorities, for that value and that worth and that culture of vocation. And he's asked us to see things like he does and follow him. And we know that Jesus has made it possible through his own hard work on the cross to give us power to renew our minds and our attitudes to work if we let him. So that's what we're going to look at today. And as I'm, as I'm aware, as we all are, that um, you know, lots of our work has completely radically changed over the past six weeks. You know, some people have lost their jobs. Some people's jobs might be put on hold. Um, some, for some people, their, their work has massively increased and they feel sort of overwhelmed in their homes trying to do everything, all the awkward Zoom meetings. Sometimes I quite like looking at people's homes and the network. But anyway, so I know that this, that, um, we're, we're all dealing with a lot of change and it's a very poignant topic to be looking at this morning. But God wants to remind us that in all our all our experiences, where we're coming from, that he can bring true peace into our hearts. And that he's deeper than any situation, anything we can face. We can work out of a, a deep place of spiritual rest. And that's what I'd like to look at this morning. And the passage that I'd, I'd like to begin by um, looking at, if you've got your Bibles, and I think it will come up on the screen, is one that I, I um, felt sort of drawn to when I was praying and preparing for this sermon, and it's Psalm 127. 
and it's the first two verses. So Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. And it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful psalm, and I hope it will speak to us this morning. So here it is. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So I'm just going to pray um, before we sort of look into this passage. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us this morning. Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that your spirit joins us all together, even though we're, we're all separate across um, London today, across the UK, the world. Lord, that you join us together supernaturally by your Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. And we're so grateful that you draw close to us when we draw close to you, Lord. And we want to um, just be honest and aware of this, the difficulties we're facing, Lord, with our work, the anxieties that seem to crowd in, Lord. Help us listen to you this morning. Help us not to let the thorns get in the way of anxiety, God. Be with us now. Um, in your precious name we pray. Amen. So we see that um, in this psalm, that the psalmist, the picture the psalmist used is that of building a house. It says, unless the Lord builds the house. And I think that's very helpful when we think about work because we are all creating and building something each day with our work. It might not be literally a house or build, a builder, but we, we can create systems or we can, you know, we can stack shelves, we can write government policy. We're all sort of building and creating something. And I think that's, that's the wonder of human society, that we were created to work. Work is a good thing. It's amazing that God has created us to create. And right at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, at creation, the story of creation, we read, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, to work it and take care of it. So we were made to steward creation, to be involved with the physical down-to-earth stuff of life. But then we know what happens in Genesis 3 is that Adam and Eve choose to disobey God's instruction not to eat fruit from a specific tree. And it's interesting, in the curse that follows, the curse of their selfishness, thinking they know what's best, the curse actually directly affects their work. So we can read in Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19, work becomes a pain, a physical pain, and also a general pain, as we know. So God says to Adam in Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food, food, food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Wow. 
the image of thorns and thistles is pretty real, isn't it? And it's interesting, it's the same as um, the parable of the sower. We've been looking at this whole series. Those stressful hours, those thorns and thistles that, you know, we feel when we put all those stressful hours into work, only for our boss to say, uh, you've got to do it all again. That's not what I wanted. Or, you know, physically and, and mentally tiring work that we put in in those hours where no one, no one sees what we're doing. No one seems to notice sometimes. Or maybe it's the competitive colleague that makes life really difficult for us at work. The list goes on. Work isn't always a gift, it would seem. So what we see straight off in the Bible from those two, two um, parts in Genesis is that work is both a beautiful thing of creation with God, but it's also a very real struggle, a sweat. So it is completely understandable that we both sort of love and hate work, as it were. I'm sure we can identify with both of those things because we live in a fallen world. So work exists now in a world sustained by God, but it is disordered by sin. And so returning to our psalm and this image of building a house, the psalmist warns us, doesn't he? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. All our hard work, all the effort we put in, it's in vain if it's without God. Wow. I remember reading this um, years ago when I was really, really stressed <laughs> with work. And it did feel like this. I was getting up early and going to bed late. And those two words really struck, struck me, in vain. It's useless if God isn't in our work. If we haven't let him direct the design, if he's not our boss, if we haven't given over our deep desires to work and our control of, of that to him, we're not allowing Jesus to really free us and use the talents that he's given each of us for his glory. And I remember thinking, gosh, all these hours I'm slaving away, what are they for? if I'm not fully allowing God and the Holy Spirit to direct and soften me? Was, is it for my glory? I remember thinking, is it for me? To, why am I so worried? You know, why am I so overwhelmed by work? Is it for me to look good or to impress my boss or to sort of prove something to myself or to get a promotion? It's the foundation of my work. What's holding me up here? You see, if God isn't the architect of our work, if we haven't given it to him and humbled ourselves before him in prayer, asking for direction and help, then in the end, the psalmist says it's in vain. Because if you're anything like me, you get completely absorbed by something, and, you know, doing a good job and thinking about it all the time. But you forget that it's God who's given you the ability and the work in the first place. And it can very easily lead to pride. You know, if we hold on to work too tightly, what will happen then is it will, it will completely crush us if we fail, if we don't get that promotion 
or if we do something wrong or even lose our job. Work has become so linked to our identity and our sense of self-worth. We can just feel completely lost and undone. And maybe you're on the other side of the scale. You, you don't care about work sort of enough. You've lost all motivation. You feel bored or you're, you're lazy, you're dissatisfied. And God really wants to inspire you and your work. And he wants to bring meaning in every small thing you do. Because um, when we give our lives to Jesus, we no longer rely on ourselves and our work to give us self-worth or motivation. Whether we hold on to our jobs too tightly or are bored of them, Jesus has done all the hard work on the cross. And he lived a perfect life according to his Father's will so that we can rest in him. We don't need to prove ourselves anymore. It's God who accepts us for who we are. There's just um, there's this amazing passage just before Jesus was betrayed and arrested before his death. Um, there's this, this verse in John 17, verse 4, where Jesus prays to his father this. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence. Wow. This is Jesus in complete submission to God, saying that his work on earth has given glory to the Father and that he's accomplished everything that God assigned him to do. Jesus has this peace and satisfaction, even in the face of death, he has peace and satisfaction of doing his job well. That is incredible. His work on the cross, defeating death, rising again, has taken away all our desperate need, all our desperate identity to, to find our identity in work. And this sort of self-obsession and self-reliance we, we have. So we now can live at peace, resting in him. And to give glory to God, like Jesus do, did, that is what we live for if we know him this morning. Our work is to give glory to God. Because if we don't worship and give glory to him in our work, work isn't a sort of neutral thing. It can very easily become an idol in our hearts. And just like any idol, the more we worship it, the more we become like it. And there's this, um, this passage in Psalm 135, verse 15 to 18, that describes the effect of idols very accurately. It's quite amazing reading it. So from Psalm 135, verse 15 to 18, I'll just read it. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. So idols look like they have life. They look like they're alive. They've got mouths, eyes and ears, but they can't speak. 
They can't see and they can't hear. And guess what? We become like that if we rely on them to give us worth and success and happiness. So if we we make work into an idol, we'll actually become deaf, mute, blind to God the more we trust in our work and don't trust in God. It's a very, very sobering passage. And I I have experienced this um, very strongly. I remember about sort of six years ago, I think six or seven years ago, I was sitting on my bed in London near Camden Square and we, Alice and I lived there. And I was looking at everything I had in my room and I was, you know, I just made a, a very good history program and I was pleased with myself. And I sort of, I could just sense me getting sort of fat, so to speak, with wealth. I was like, I'm just accumulating more stuff. I'm just accumulating more sort of work credits, as it were. But could I really feel God? It felt like there was this this layer between me and God. And it was, God really spoke to me saying, you can get desensitized to the Holy Spirit. Just like that passage said, the idols, you can, you, you, you can stop hearing the Holy Spirit. You can come to church, you can hear the word of God, but we can become numb to the Spirit. And it was so convicting that I decided to take three months off for the next three years and volunteer my time abroad because I could see the work that, and the effect that this sort of my obsession, or so it didn't really happen consciously, but I could see the effect that it was having on me. And letting go like that this morning is so important. It might not mean for each of us to sort of give up our job. But we really need to be open to allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and trust in him for what he's given each of us in that way. So please, God, help us not grow mute and blind and deaf to your Holy Spirit this morning. Because there is amazing news that um, Jesus has accomplished for us before he doesn't end there. What's so utterly wonderful about welcoming God into our attitude, into our life first, but into our attitudes about work, is that he wants to give us rest and peace. So let's return to Psalm 127, that initial psalm, and look at the second verse. It says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep but he gives to his beloved sleep we're not to exhaust ourselves and feed our anxieties with work eating the bread of anxious toil it's an amazing picture that's what we're feeding ourselves with anxiety we're not to give room to worrying about oh what's going to happen tomorrow what's going to happen if my boss doesn't like this because god says he gives to his beloved sleep Isn't that just the most beautiful picture? We're there fussing, you know, getting busy, getting up early, going to bed late. And God says, I will give you sleep. I will give you rest. It's almost like we can sort of breathe again. That that 
oh, there's a very physical side to this, I think. You know, anxiety leads to high blood pressure. Our bodies are tense and tired when we're stressed. And what does God say? He says, you are my beloved. Slow down. Look to me and I will give you rest. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you give us sleep for a reason. You know, I said at the beginning that a third of our lives is made up of work. Well, a third is also made up of sleep. It's the same amount. Sleep is very important. It is a gift from God. And I know there are lots of modern books around at the moment on sleep, um, but that how our bodies sort of go to work in repairing any damage when we sleep. Apparently, we're more creative. We have better memory, better immune system if we sleep well. Lots of benefits. But I think also there's this deep spiritual significance of sleep. Because what do we do when we're asleep? The answer is nothing. <laughs> well, consciously nothing. Anyway, it's pretty much the opposite of working and all the anxiety of worrying. And I think that's just an amazing reminder that we're not in control. All this work in our bodies is done when we lie down, when we're not even aware of it, when we switch off. And as a spiritual picture, the same applies. When we rest and allow God in, that's when he can do all the repair work on us. This is a picture of the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus has gone through all the deep restlessness and anxiety and the, yeah, the worst anxiety on the cross to overcome it. He's wrestled and felt that curse of the fall on him. And we know that he rose again. And so we can now enter that rest and peace through his resurrection. Wow. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What an invitation this morning to come to him with all our issues and worries about work. And he gives us both physical and spiritual rest. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, this is what he brings to you. It's an invitation to come to him. He brings transformative, deep spiritual rest. And then what happens when we give up our lives to him and give up our work desires is we realise that God has such a much bigger plan for our lives. Working out of a place of rest might not sort of look different from the outside. We might still have lost our job or be in the same stressful situation at work but we come to it out of a place of rest and trust in God who knows what we need God knows what we need when you work for God as your boss it's amazing you aren't controlled by what you think of yourself what others think of you you're free to work hard knowing that if you fail it's not going to crush you this is very, very big stuff. This deals, goes right to the core of our identity. 
When God builds the house, we know that he can achieve and accomplish more than we can ever imagine. Things open up then. When we give our lives to God, you get yourself into job situations. I know so many people across Rev can testify that, you know, they've got jobs where they would never have had them or things have just opened up in a way that they could never have imagined because we're working ultimately for a higher purpose. Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. We know as Christians, don't we, this morning, that there's so much more to life than meets the eye. There's more to life than the physical. There's a whole spiritual realm out there that God gives us his Holy Spirit when we trust in him. We become alive to that spiritual realm. And when we work for God, we have this deep joy that I can't explain. God honours us when we sacrifice these, these areas of control of our work and and he gives us his Holy Spirit that brings this contentment where our culture is completely obsessed by sort of changing the world, achieving the best and having the you know the most amazing material, perfect retirement. We know that we have peace. We only have peace by being faithful with what God's given us. We're not looking for success and power, are we? And money because we're serving God, not ourselves. Jesus has freed us this morning from the relentless pressure of having to prove ourselves, and work becomes this act of worship to Him. However menial or unimpressive your job might look, God looks at you and delights in you when you're working for Him. So, wherever we're at this morning, God is calling us to quieten our hearts and listen to his voice, not to let the thorns and the thistles of anxiety get in the way. And we're called to surrender our lives and attitudes of work to him so he can give us this deep, deep spiritual rest and joy and contentment in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to um, finish now by responding with a song of surrender to God. And I hope this has been a, a blessing to you this morning. I know it can, it can be a very lonely time for us in our home. So if, you have, if you'd love to have prayer or talk to the people more about this, I would encourage you to go to your GC leaders or someone who you know at church. And if you're new to Rev, then we would love to hear from you. Um, please do contact us. You can email us at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. So that's hello at revelationchurch, or one word, org.uk. And we'd love to talk to you more. Um, so, yeah, let's sing this song, All to Jesus I Surrender, All to Him I Freely Give.